All right, so we're talking about water baptism this morning, but what we are going to be talking about is, is the grand scope of it. We're going to take a look at water baptism from the 30,000-foot uh, view. We're going to look at it from God's perspective this morning and what it truly means. And I want to echo what Hannah said. If you've never been water baptized, if you're teetering on it, I pray that this morning this message will put you over that line because it is an awesome, awesome thing. We're going to look at it in uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And it says this, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay. So before we go any further in this story, what we need to understand, listen to the words, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, go do this. And so what this story is about and what all of our stories are about, those that have turned their life over to Jesus, that follow Jesus, the story is God sought us. All right? God pursued us. Our salvation does not begin with us pursuing him. It is about God pursuing us. It says here that an angel of the Lord tells Philip, go. All right, go to this place. And I just want us to all stop and consider for one second. Let's not just brush past this and move past it quickly. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all heavens and earth, pursued you. He pursued you. He pursued all of us in here. That's how things work. All right, it's not us all of a sudden realizing, I'm going to go after God. Yes, we do, but it's because he pursued us first. He pursued us through Jesus. He pursued us through his creation. He pursued us by being this good, good father that we sing about and that we talk about and that we love so much. But God pursues us first. And here's, here's what we need to understand too. That Philip is leaving a very thriving ministry. Like things are going well where he is at. Right? People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, go. Get on this desert road and go. And I, I want to I say this this morning as well. God is not too busy somewhere else to notice you. He is not too successful somewhere else to see you in your heart. And we can get so caught up in God's doing this over here and God's, he's over, all this is happening here and I'm just way over here. I'm on this desert road all by myself and so surely God doesn't see me. He's doing amazing things there, not here. Not so. God actually takes Philip and says, look, I know things are going well over there, but I'm going to take you out of there and I'm going to put you here because I see this guy. I see this guy that wants me. I see this guy that is ripe. And so I'm going to answer the call. I see his heart. It reminds me of Matthew 18, starting in verse 12, where Jesus says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more. Everyone say more. More than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is, not, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So the, here's the 99 where Philip was at. The thriving ministry, things are going well. The 99, Jesus says, but there's one. There's one. We got to go get him. We got to go get him. And when we get him, we're going to rejoice over that one than over this thriving, successful ministry over here. Because we got a lost one. 
And that's what it's like with us. And we have this, we have this lie that we believe that we feel like because we're the one that we have to play catch up to the 99. And maybe I can, after a while, I'll be like them. And then God will love me that way. Or I can worship like them when God's saying, I'm rejoicing over you more. I'm rejoicing over you more than the 99. You don't have to play catch up. I'm throwing a party for you. You don't have to play catch up with everyone around you when God snatches you off that desert road. We'll, we'll show you what you do in just a minute. Let's get back to Acts chapter 8, verse 27. This is Philip's reaction when God tells him, leave the successful ministry that is thriving and all these amazing things are happening. I love Philip's reaction. So he started out. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the Kandake, I apologize if that's not how you pronounce it, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, Philip goes just like that. Now, I'll be honest with y'all. As the pastor of Beaches Chapel, if things are going really well here, right? Well, if, I'll say things are going really well here, right? <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, <laughs> let's just assume, no, things are going really well here, right? And God's moving and people are getting saved and baptized and all of a sudden we just start seeing increase and more and more people coming in and God says, all right, James, I want you to go down to 301, the road that leads to Stark, right? <laughs> I want you to find that one and be like, no, no, Lord, <laughs> I didn't hear you right. That was the enemy uh, trying to rob me of the goodness that's going on here at the church. Like, that, that's, that wasn't you. Like, it would be really hard, right? I mean, here, this, the church is new, y'all. Exciting things are happening. And I, there has to be something in Philip that says, seriously? Like, now? We're finally getting some momentum here, God. Like, things are happening. The church is, is exciting. And you want me to go to the desert road? From Jerusalem to Gaza? Like, what? But he doesn't do that. He just goes. So he started out. And he left. Because Philip knew the voice of the Lord. Y'all, we have to know the voice of the Lord in our life. And it doesn't happen because we want it to happen. We don't leave here and say, man, I really want to start hearing the voice of the Lord. What do you want for lunch? Right? We keep going. You hear the voice, you learn to hear the voice of the Lord by spending time with the Lord in prayer, sitting quietly, asking for it over and over and over again, saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, I want to hear your voice. Getting in the word, getting grounded in the word of God that does not move, that is the same, Unlike the world's voice, which changes like every 30 seconds. This is the truth. This is the truth. Now this is the truth. This is the truth. No, no, no. You want to hear the voice of the Lord? Get in God's word, which is his voice to us. But that's what we have to do. That's why Philip can leave a thriving ministry to go to the desert road to find one because he heard the voice of the Lord and he said, all right, I'm going to go because I know the voice of the Lord. Because I spent my time on my knees in the word with the Lord to know what his voice sounds like. We can't just want it. We can't just want to know the voice of the Lord. We have to listen. And that takes time. But oh, the confidence we will have in going when we know the voice of the Lord. 
And what we see here, my favorite two verses in all of the Bible, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways than your ways, declares the Lord. And what we see here, just break this down for a second, y'all. Let's think real practically here. Philip has left this thriving ministry, right? This, in this new church, right? The church is new. And on paper, this looks crazy. But God is sending him to this one person who just so happens to be what? The treasurer of Ethiopia. He is in charge of all the money of an entire country. God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows that this church is going to need some resources. And so he's sending them to the treasure, treasurer of Ethiopia. Listen, y'all, God doesn't make mistakes. He understands what we need. And so Philip could have said, no, this is too good over here. Things are happening and I really like it. God's thinking ahead. He's saying, you're going to need more. Let me send you to someone that can give you some money to handle all this. This is not by accident. This is the providence of God right here. This is the providence of God. Y'all, don't get comfortable in your successes when God tells you to go do something else. He wants to increase your successes. We think so narrowly. We have such a finite view of what we can do in the Lord. And meanwhile, he's saying, I'm trying to send someone to you that's going to help in what you're doing. But you got to go. You got to hear my voice and you got to go. Praise God, Philip knew his voice. And he went and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. How insane is that? And it says, the Bible says very clearly, he was a man of great authority. And here's where, here's where our flesh can kind of kick in. He's a man of great authority. This can be intimidating. This guy's the treasurer. He reports right to the queen. And, the, and when the Bible is specific about something, it, it, we need to take note of it. So when the Bible says that he's a man of great authority, he's a man of great authority. And here, Philip could be intimidated, right? He could be intimidated by this guy. Like, wow, you know what? That's... It's kind of out of my pay grade. See if we can send someone else. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll have a, a Paul moment here and Jesus will just handle it all himself, right? But this is, this is a little much. This guy's a big deal. I'm preaching to myself a little bit here, to be honest. But what Philip understands is that his authority is greater than this man's authority. Because who sent Philip? The angel of the Lord, Right? He heard the voice of the Lord, and he went, and he was confident because he also knew whose authority he was walking in. And so when he sees a man of great authority, he's like, cool, I'm a man of greater authority because the Bible tells me that I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ, so my rank outranks your rank because the guy who I work for reigns in heaven, okay? And so there is no intimidation there. There is, there is no second guessing. He's like, I got this. I heard the voice of the Lord. He told me to go. I'm here. I'm not going to be intimidated by rank. How many of us, don't raise your hand, are intimidated by people when we try and reach out to them? We forget that we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That is the rank that we need to worry about for us. When he tells us, go talk to that person. When he tells us, go over there and make a conversation with that person. Go invite that person to church. Oh, really? No, I can't. I'm talking to myself here. Ah. Come on, y'all. Come on, James. Pick your head up. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. 
And whether they have authority or not, we do not need to be intimidated by the world. Oh, does the world want us to be intimidated? Trying to just let us operate in fear all the time. All the time. We can't. We can't. We got to go. As the ambassadors, and, and Jesus himself tells us this in Matthew chapter 28. In verse 19, therefore, go. Okay, so Philip heard go. Now Jesus is telling us, go and make disciples of all the nations. Here it is, y'all, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. Here it is. That's why we're not intimidated. I am with you always even to the end of the age. So we are Christ's ambassadors, but he's with us. We're not going on behalf of him. We're going with him, right? So we don't need to be intimidated. We don't need to be scared of rank. We don't need to be scared of missing out on what we are leaving and understand that when God calls us, he is seeing the view a lot further down the road than we ever could. You have no idea who I'm sending you to. You have no idea. Verse 28. So this is, the, this is the Ethiopian, the treasury talking about here in verse 28. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. I love Philip's reaction here too. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Listen, Nothing says confidence like when the Holy Spirit says go and we run, right? Like imagine if we just started running in our obedience to the Lord. Like go over to the carriage, okay, here I go, right? God's moving to me, I need to go kneel at the altar, go, right? All those things instead of, I don't know about this. What if, I don't know what that was. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely not doing it again. (sighs) But what if we started running in our obedience? Like, what if we started running when God calls us to go? I just wonder, you know, what, what will things look like? What would our hearts feel like? You know, you need to lift your hands and worship. I've never done that before. Lift your hands and worship. Okay. You know, invite the cashier to church tomorrow. Okay. We just got excited about obedience instead of scared of obedience. We are ambassadors, y'all, of Jesus Christ. And people need him. Jesus tells us to go. He says he's with us always, and he will equip us. What else do we need to know? Well, what if they say no? Okay. They might. But that's not what it's about. It's about us being obedient. After that, it's the Holy Spirit's business. Our business is, did we do what he told us to do? So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Check this out. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him, right? Nothing to be scared of. 
Nothing to be intimidated by. Here's the thing that we need to understand, y'all. When people are ready for Jesus, when we come to them, we are not being an imposition. We are being an answer to prayer. That is what we are. We are a miracle to them. And so we see this, this Ethiopian confronted by Philip. Do you understand what you're saying? No, please come up here and explain it to me. He's urging Philip to get onto the carriage with him. He's not saying maybe another time, ah, you're kind of bugging this or that. No, please explain this to me. I want to know. Philip's an answer to prayer. He is a miracle to this guy. Do you know that each one of us in here can be that to people around us? Every single one of us can be a miracle in someone else's life if we would just go, if we would just run in obedience. All of you in here, all of us watching online, you're sitting in your seats. You can be that miracle. Or we can make an excuse not to be. It's kind of the two options. But we'll never know unless we are obedient, unless we try. And as you continue to try, that intimidation factor, that fear factor, it just lowers and lowers and lowers. And finally, like even knows you're just like, whatever. I'm going on. But it won't matter anymore. Verse 32, the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. Like, are you kidding me right now? What is this, what is this eunuch reading? He's reading Isaiah 53, the very verse that Rob shared with us in our Good Friday service that prophesies all about Jesus. Don't tell me God's timing isn't perfect. He knew what this guy needed. And it says he's reading it and he doesn't know what it means. So the hunger's there. I'm reading it. I'm searching it out. I have no clue what it means. Okay, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send someone to you that can explain it to you. Jesus has set the table for this guy. John chapter four, Jesus says this. He says, then Jesus explained my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they, ha they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits, check this out, both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. The work was already done. The dude was hungry. He already had the Bible open. He was reading about Jesus. The work was done. All Philip had to do was harvest. All Philip had to do was just reap the benefits of the Holy Spirit's work that had already been going on. Y'all, that's us. When God starts moving in people, we get to come in and we get to enjoy the benefits of the Holy Spirit that's already been moving in these people's heart. And we get to be a part of it. Oh, what joy. Listen, you want to talk about nourishment in your life? I'm here to tell you, y'all, it's not by being a Bible scholar. It's not. 
It's about sharing Jesus with people. Do you feel empty? Do you feel dried up? Ask yourself this. When was the last time I talked to someone about Jesus? Not when was the last deep, minor prophet that I read in the Bible or how, whatever this is going on here. We look for nourishment in the wrong places that puff us up. We want nourishment? Go tell people about Jesus. That's where the joy... Listen, if that's Jesus' nourishment, if that's Jesus' nourishment, shouldn't it be ours as well? We need to stop looking inwardly in what satisfies our desires and start looking outwardly in what satisfies other people. And when we do that, church, we will be nourished. You won't be complaining about anything else. You'll be too overjoyed with what God allowed you to do in someone else that you will be so nourished. That is where nourishment comes from. I'm preaching this morning. Ah, my God. Got back in the clothes that I like. <sighs> that suit is a hindrance in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Y'all, if you, if you want to see, see your faith that we sang about earlier, you want to see your faith rise up, you want to see your relationship with Jesus take off, Start telling people around you about Jesus. Start trying. Challenge each one of us in here. And I am challenging myself as well. Start telling people about Jesus. And just see what happens. See how you are filled. See how you are nourished. And please, don't say to yourself, I don't know enough. Don't say, what if they ask me this? I don't know the answer to that. If they ask you that and you don't know, you know what you say? It's a great question. I don't know, but I will find that out for you. But why don't you come to church with me on Sunday and you can meet the pastor. Maybe he knows. And then I will point you to Don Colbreth or someone else. All right. Because he needs more to do in life. <clears throat> He gets to elders meeting 45 minutes early. He can handle it, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for people in our church that are wise and know it all a lot more than I do for real. Man, I'm so grateful for y'all. Verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Door open. Philip walks through. The guy says it. Tell me. I got a question. And here's, here's what I love. He doesn't, Philip doesn't directly answer the question. The question is, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip could have said someone else. But it doesn't say that. He says, he starts telling him the good news of the gospel. And that's what we get to do. Someone asks you a question about theology or this or that. Let me tell you about that. Jesus loves you. It all points back to Jesus. It all points back to the cross. The entire Bible is written about Jesus. So any question goes back to Jesus. Philip just right there shares the good news about Jesus. Hallelujah. And here we go. What does this have to do with water baptism? Verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look! There's some water. Why can't I be baptized? 
He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So, before, before we, we get to the, the main point here, I just want to point this one thing out. They are on a desert road, right? From Jerusalem to Gaza. That's what it says. A desert road. Now, I haven't been on a lot of desert roads, but I don't think like Jenny Springs is just sitting right there, right, right on the side. of People are just doing backstrokes like, come on in, the water's fine. Like, I imagine what this eunuch who is, has all the authority, right, that we talked about earlier, the treasure of an entire country, I think what he sees, this is my personal opinion, I didn't read this in a commentary, so I might be wrong, I think he sees like a ditch filled with some water in it, right? Like a little retention pond or whatever where there's fish with three eyeballs swimming in it or, or something. I just can't imagine on this desert road there's like this nice, all of a sudden, baptismal. I think this guy heard about Jesus, accepted Jesus, saw some ditch water, and was like, I got to do it right now. I got to do it right now because I love Jesus. And what he understood and what water baptism, y'all, is all about is this right here. He understood in this moment that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all heavens and earth, pursued him through the death of Jesus Christ. And he was adopting him in as a son. And that, that is what caused him to want to get water baptized. It was the culmination of God seeking him out. And that's what water baptism is. It is that public proclamation of, yes, my faith in Jesus, but even more so, Jesus' death for me. And listen, I'll be honest with y'all. I hear some doozies of excuses when it comes to people putting off water baptism. But the one that gets me that I just won't understand, I, under, I get it, I'm up here on stage every Sunday. I'm used to being in front of y'all. Some people don't like that. But I'm just afraid is the excuse I hear. I'm just afraid. It's like a two-foot deep pool right over here. Like, you literally can't drown in it. Just stand up. You're fine. Yet, like, real soon, maybe even after church today, depending on weather, many of us will go to the beach and swim in a body of water that contains sharks. <laughs> and not, like, think twice about it. Like, what? It's cool. Baptize? <laughs> oh, no, that's scary. <laughs> Like you are not going to get eaten in this baptismal if you get in it next week. I promise you. I promise you. But it's become something that we like put off for this or that. This guy hears the good news of Jesus Christ and on a desert road demands that his carriage get stopped so that he can go into whatever water he sees and get baptized. Right then and there. There's no excuse. There's no, it's just do it. That's what I want. That's what I want. Because I understand that before I ever pursued God, he pursued me. And so, yeah, put me in the tub. Because God is good. God is good. Why can't I be baptized, he said. What is stopping me? Nothing. Nothing. And that's true for all of us. Nothing is stopping us. I love our baptism Sundays here at Bougie's Chapel. They are a blast. It is a celebration that the whole church gets to take part in. And the reason why is because it, it involves us. Think about this for a second. God pursued each one of us 
and he uses other people to do so. I bet some of y'all in here, if you stop for a second and ask, who is your Philip? Who is the Philip in your life that God used? And who can you be to someone else? Can you be a Philip to someone else in your life? God involved Philip here. He involved him. The story concludes in verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. It's crazy. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther uh, north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So, like, what is happening, right? He comes out of the water. He's like, thanks, Phil. Hey, I'm just going to keep rejoicing, right? <laughs> like, doesn't even question it. I'd be kind of a little, you know, a little curious, you know. But this guy, he just goes on. And here, here's, we're going to have the band come back up. And what I, what I want to also consider in, the, in this story, it says that this guy had been coming, he, was, he was, had been le- leaving Jerusalem where he was worshiping, right? So he went to Jerusalem to worship. He's reading the Bible. Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, right? So, which makes you wonder what or who was he worshiping in Jerusalem, right? He doesn't know Jesus yet. Philip's the one that shares the gospel with him. So it's just, it's just an interesting story here that this guy doesn't know what's going on in Jerusalem, yet he goes. He doesn't understand the Bible, yet he reads it. And then God brings Philip to bring understanding. And then afterwards, he rejoices. Like, in other words, what I was doing in Jerusalem, that, that wasn't it. This is it. And this dude, Philip, can disappear for all I care. He does. And I'm just going to continue to rejoice in God's love for me. You got water baptized. And here at Beaches Chapel, here's how we do water baptisms and why. We do it because it's the model of the New Testament. Because it says over and over, and I'm not going to point to all the scriptures. You can Google them yourself when you get home. But it says to be baptized. Be baptized. So we do. We baptize because... You know, a lot of times in church, and we'll even do it this morning, we, we give space for you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord so that you can be saved. Sometimes we do it, like last week, we do it as a re- repetition prayer. A lot of times we just, we just let the band play, and wherever you're at in your seat, you can just make that decision for yourself. And it's a personal decision, as it should be, between you and Jesus, because that's where it all begins, you and Him. We do water baptism so that you can have the public proclamation of your faith. We do it in church on Sunday mornings because like I said earlier, it involves all of us. We used to do them down at the beach, uh, which is great for videos and pictures. It's really not great in terms of the whole church being involved because you have to go out a certain distance and you can't hear what's being said. You see it, but eventually people just kind of start talking. Kids are, you know, building sandcastles. They don't have any clue what's going on out in the water. Um, We just like it here as part of our worship. We we do it during worship of our service after usually the second or third song because it is worship. We are worshiping God for his faithfulness over our lives. 
Um, we allow anyone over the age of five who can say out of their own heart, out of their own mouth, why they want to be baptized. In other words, a parent's not saying it for them. Like if a kid, a young kid can say, this is why I want to get baptized and what they say is good and correct, like, yeah, let's go. We'll build that foundation right now. Uh, we Before that, we do, if you're curious, we do child dedications up to five years old. We don't call them baby dedications. We say child dedications where we pray over, over children under five uh, that God's hand will be on them, the parents as well, which by the way, we'll be doing that at our next Family Sunday on June 25th. Um, but that's kind of how we do our, our age deal. But another big reason why we do water baptisms here, what I love about it at least, you know, when you turn your life over to Jesus and you pray that prayer, whether it's repeating it after a pastor, myself, or someone else, or you make that decision in your living room watching online, or you make that decision here in church in your seat, the devil can come in and say, you didn't say it right, or you didn't mean that this or that, or whatever, and cause us to have doubt over our own salvation. But when we get in a tub filled with water, he cannot make us who are wet dry. Like, we're wet. We're in that tub, all right? We are saying in the mic, in front of our church family, those that love us and are gonna walk with us, that I am gonna live my life for Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And we can point to that day. We can remember that day and say, on that day, I got in that tub. So enemy, shut up. I know what I believe. I know what I did. And it's real. And it's important to have those moments in our life because the devil loves to create doubt loves to make us try and second-guess ourselves. And so it's a tangible proclamation of our faith. And if you are on the fence about it, I want to I tell you right now, get off the fence and get in line next Sunday to get water baptized so you can rejoice just like this guy in this story. And I promise you, well, I won't promise you, I'm going to strongly guarantee you I'm not going to disappear, all right? Be there in the tub unless the Lord takes me home. If so, I'm sorry, Jess. Good luck with our three lovely daughters. But it's a culmination of God seeking you out. It's a culmination of all that God's done, who he used and when he used them in his perfect plan over your life. Man, he loves you prove his love by dying on the cross for you so that we could get in that tub and say the old is gone it is washed away with this water we come out of it we're brand new we're washed clean hallelujah hallelujah and we get to all together go on rejoicing that God is good amen amen why don't we stand up we're going to close worship this morning. Let me just pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness that you pursued us, and it was not easy. You paid a, a hefty price in your pursuit over us, living a perfect life, tempted all the time not to live perfectly, but you did. You died on the cross for us when people were mocking you, spitting on you, the pain
pain was more severe than we could ever imagine. And you stayed, you were pursuing us on that cross. And you're staying on the cross, you are pursuing us. And you died and you rose again for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for pursuing us. God, I pray for each one of us in here this morning that have been walking scared, saying your name to others around us at our workplace or family members or whomever it might be, our neighbors maybe, because the world is trying to make the name Jesus taboo or offensive or whatever. God, but we know that there's power in your name. We know that there is healing in your name. We know that there is salvation in your name and that in your name, the enemy flees. God, that those that are ready when they hear the name Jesus, we are not, we are not a burden to them. We are an answer to prayer to them. So God, remind us of that this week, that we're, we're an answer to prayer for these people, that we can be a Philip. We can be a Philip to the people around us. God, for those that are getting baptized next week, Lord, I just thank you, Jesus, for that decision they've made, and that their lives are never going to be the same after it. received you as their Lord and Savior. Right now, we just give you this time, Holy Spirit, to work on their hearts. And those that need it would be like Philip and obey, would run to you quickly and not hesitate anymore. We just give you this moment, Lord. And those that need Jesus, we give you this moment to say, I believe. baptisms do not get you saved. They are a proclamation of your faith that you already have in Jesus. It is not works. If baptism has got to say that would be a work that we had to do. Jesus did all the work. We believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth, we are saved. Baptism is a proclamation of God's goodness in our lives. I love y'all. I'm excited for next week. Be praying. Be praying that God would open your eyes to those around you. Maybe people you've never even noticed before or haven't seen them in the light that we need to. Hallelujah. Let's worship.